This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, every Monday, I give one of you 100 bucks to invest in your idea and get to the top. To enter for your chance to win 100 bucks, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes right now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. This week's winner was Matt Walk in Chicago at the DDB Agency. Coming up tomorrow morning, we hear from the legendary Tom Ziegler, who breaks down how he's adding 3,000 emails per week building the Ziegler empire. Top Tribe, good morning. I hope you enjoyed the episode yesterday. A lot of people are loving it, and you're going to love our guest today even more. His name is Anurag Agarwal, and he's a social entrepreneur, angel investor, and academic with over 20 years of experience across five careers and three continents. He is currently the founder and CEO of Junior Explorers, an educational tech social enterprise that connects kids to wildlife and nature and inspires them to love and protect the planet. Um, and are you ready to take us to the top? Can't wait, Nathan. Let's, Thanks for having me. Of course, let's do this. So first things first, I look, I love nature. I love the outdoors. Tell me what got you so passionate about the outdoors and kids. Well, it's, it's exactly hearing folks like you and everyone else saying, we all love nature and wildlife, and yet no one was really speaking to uh, the generation that is going to be the most impacted by what is happening to the planet, which is our kids. So, you know, when I thought about why that was the case, I realize it's not because kids don't like animals. In fact, I often ask when people ask me for my market size, have you ever met a kid who doesn't like animals? So, you know, it became clear that the problem was in really finding a way to engage and inspire the younger generation to really care about, think about, and learn about the planet. And that's really what got me passionate. And I walked away from a career on Wall Street to start this company called Junior Explorers. Well, I want to dig into this even more, but again, I want to reiterate. I, you know, I had my mom on the show, which was just, oh, holy mackerel. It was a hoot. She can barely <laughs> use a computer. But anyways, had her on an episode 76, okay? And we lived on a very rural part in northern Virginia, Anarag, when I was growing up. And I loved going out and exploring the rocks and the river behind our house. And I got some great ideas when I was just lost back there. So I love your mission. I love it even more that you came from Wall Street, the concrete jungle, to do this. What were you making? I'm curious. What was your salary on Wall Street? I want to understand what you gave up to jump into this. Well, uh, on last count, I was certainly making close to a million dollars a year. Uh And, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't the easiest of decisions, but it's one that uh, certainly when others behind me, I look back and feel like I bought my freedom, if that makes any sense. Yep. So why did you do it? I mean, do, do you have kids? I mean, I, well, you explained why you do it, but do you, I mean, do you have kids? Like, what was the catalyst that made you finally say, I'm out? So in the 10 years that I was on Wall Street, I was also teaching entrepreneurship at Boston University. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was during that time that I became really interested in this whole new model of entrepreneurship, which is social entrepreneurship. So when I look at companies like Wabi Parker, Tom's, Bonobos, Whole Foods, Etsy, which just went public as a B corporation, a benefits corporation, uh, I really believe that the next wave of commerce and consumerism is going to be conscious consumerism. 
And to me, I was fascinated by the fact that, you know, what used to be a sort of side movement of tree huggers, you know, as we always call them fondly, is now become mainstream and consumers are actually willing to spend money to activate their choices based on what they feel aligned with. And, you know, I sort of wanted to build a social enterprise based on all of that, um, you know, uh, knowledge. And then, you know, I was looking for a space that I wanted to disrupt. And when I looked around, I realized that there was this incredible consumer opportunity, you know, over 200 million people visiting zoos and aquariums alone in this country, um, you know, and yet that it had not been disrupted because it was sitting under this broader uh, umbrella of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So I basically took the two ideas, wildlife and nature, conservation on one side and social enterprise on the other, and basically put them together to create this uh, business model. So explain to us the business model of Junior Explorers. How's it work? I mean, a lot of these social enterprises, they're not run by, you know, really sharp business people like you. So they end up going under. So walk me through how a killer like a Wall Street killer like you then gets a soft heart and builds a smart business model around social entrepreneurship. So, you know, uh, the goal here is to be sustainable and sustainability starts from being sustainable as a business so we're building here we care about you know we care about the mission we care about the impact we're mission driven as an organization but we're also very focused on profitability we are you know shareholder value is important to us and creating it is important so we subscribe to this whole model of double bottom line so, so uh, junior explorers is a uh, company that creates learning experiences for kids to teach them about nature and wildlife so our theory is by sort of building a whole platform of experiences from physical products all the way to digital experiences, which we can monetize. You know, that being the important part here, we can actually create more education and awareness about nature and wildlife. And we can inspire, hopefully, the next generation of, you know, scientists, biologists, environmental stewards. And actually, through the role play of cultivating in every child the feeling of being a junior explorer, we can create champions in communities, classrooms, and homes. So the business model is right now we have a subscription-based model where every month we're sending kids on virtual adventures to different ecosystems of the world to explore and discover and solve a mystery in nature. So, you know, you said you grew up on a farm, so you had a real connect to nature. But a lot of kids today in urban America are not being exposed to nature at all. You know, in New York, we joke about the fact that the birds of New York are the sirens that we hear all the time. So, you know, imagine now an urban child going to the Amazon, the Arctic, the Serengeti, the Great Barrier Reef every month. And, the, and, the and it's in a, virtual, in a virtual format, right? In a virtual setting, because the goal is to just get them the knowledge and the awareness to inspire them to eventually travel and want to learn more. I so, see. So, you know, you get, a, you get a mission kit in the mail. So, you know, this is all very carefully designed and curated uh, product, collectibles, activities, things that kids like to do and wear. And then there is a, you know... Uh, information about where they're going. And then there's a secret code. And the secret code actually unlocks this gamified virtual world where through an episodic sort of treatment, it's a gamified episode of solving the mystery. And during that process, kids will discover and explore those habitats, the animals that live there. And then as the mystery unravels, they actually learn about the conservation challenges there. So for example, in the Arctic, we have a mission Arctic where the mystery is you're looking for a missing polar bear mom who's been separated from her cubs. Every child loves that mystery. I mean, just think old world Carmen San Diego, right? This is version 2015 of that. Got it. And okay, I love that. 20, 2015 version of Carmen San Diego. So wa right. walk us through the success you've had so far. When did the site launch? The site launched 10 months ago. Okay. Uh, so and, 2015, you know, 10 months ago, and for those of you watching or listening to this, say a year from now, that would have been early, what is that, early 2015? 
early 2015, and in December 2014, we launched with a MVP uh, just because we wanted to get in there and get real-time feedback from the marketplace. Uh, it's been incredible. You know, uh, so very, uh, how, how had, many how many paying customers do you have now as of last month in, in let's call it October or if you don't have, have October closed out do September? Well, we have over 5,000 global subscribers and the great story here is that not only were we able to launch successfully and quickly scale to being um, you know to shipping to all 50 states in America and Canada, we got interest internationally and actually licensed the program and launched in September in Portuguese and Brazil and in Singapore as our first country in Asia. So we're actually a 10-month-old business that's in three countries serving over 5,000 uh, subscribers. What, describe to me what it means to be a subscriber. Does that mean 5,000 people that have paid you at least a dollar? That's right. Um, so a subscriber is, because the program is on a monthly subscription basis, so a subscriber is somebody who buys either a one-month on an auto-renewing basis, a three-month, six-month, or a 12-month subscription package from us. And, and that's how you know, we, the pricing works as well. So it's really interesting because we talk to a lot of software-as-a-service entrepreneurs. I mean, yep. you know, we, we've had some – I mean, Aaron Ross, for example, who built Salesforce, you know, he's been on. We have – we had people with Sean Cohen at AWeber. They've got a well over a $10 million annual run rate, and they talk about lifetime value and cu customer acquisition cost in the subscription model. How same do you – How do yeah, you – okay, so it's the same metrics for you. Yeah, we look at, so, you know, what SaaS is to the software business, subscription is to, you know, we're sort of a new breed, which is hybrid, we're doing online and offline, but it's the same metrics. We have, uh, you know, we're very focused on uh, our cost of customer acquisitions, we're very focused on lifetime value, we're very focused on extending that lifetime value eventually by adding more product, and annuity cash flow is sort of the holy grail of the business. So, Anurag, what is lifetime value right now of your average customer? Our average customer is, you know, we're young enough where we haven't normalized that, but our expectation is, say, 12 to 15 months, so it's about 250 to $300 in revenue from, okay. a, uh, from a customer for the subscription business. So they're paying about $20 a month on average? Uh, they're paying about twenty dollars a month. That's right, nineteen a month. Okay, okay, twenty bucks a month. So then break that. Let's go macro again. So in October, what was your total top line revenue? Our total, we're right now doing uh, globally close to, I'd say. $30,000 a month. Okay, 30000 bucks a month, which is impressive, 10 months in. And um, interesting. And, okay, so people are paying on average 20 bucks a month. They're staying for on average 12 to 15 months. What about customer acquisition cost? How are you getting new customers? And are you selling to the child or the parent? Uh, great question. And this is where I think we've been able to hack our growth strategy. So traditionally in our business, it's a consumer business. There's a direct-to-consumer model where you're acquiring customers through all kinds of direct channels, emails, social media, partnerships, and things like that. And, you know, we've been very successful doing that. We're growing 40 to 50% month over month organically through that strategy. Wow. Where we've, really been, where we've been really able to hack growth is through these strong institutional partnerships. So we're the only company that is talking about the subject matter when it comes to kids. And as a B Corp, we're very aligned in mission with nonprofit organizations. So think WWF, the Nature Conservancy, zoos, museums, and aquariums. I'll give you one example, right? In New York City, we have the Bronx Zoo. Two million kids in the tri-state area visit the Bronx Zoo every year. But to have the Bronx Zoo experience, you actually have to go all the way to, you know, the Bronx. You know, by, <laughs> such, of, such a long distance, you know. For <laughs> yeah, well, it is a Long, long distance if you're a parent with a kid or a kid in a, uh, you know, that can't travel by him or herself. Yep, yep. So, you know, and you're buying a $15 ticket and, and when you go in, you're spending another 50 to 80 bucks just to have that experience. 
the, the bigger challenge is that the Bronx Zoo has never been able to export their on-campus experience beyond the walls and reach classrooms and homes and tell their story beyond New York to the rest of the country and the world. And they're a great institution. What do we do? We can now create a custom mission Bronx Zoo, leveraging our product platform and for the first time, give them the ability to reach an entire universe of audience that was close to them. I now, think what's interesting too is when you look at the following equation, you're sitting on, I think, a, a like you call it a hundred million dollar business, but you combine VR, virtual reality, with what you're doing with physical right. locations like the Bronx Zoo. I can't wait to see what you do. Thank you. That's exactly that. You, you, you're, you know, you've been you've been in our strategy sessions because that's <laughs> that's the future of where we see this go. Once we've accessed these these channels, there's you know we're talking to zoos, aquariums, uh, all over the world right now. In Singapore, we're talking to the Singapore Zoo and the aquarium there and the bird park there. And you know, in this country, we're talking to the Bay Aquarium in San Francisco and we're talking to a few other institutions all over. That gets us captive distribution. And to your point earlier. We don't have to spend, you know, we don't have to fight the bloody uh, battle of custom acquisition in the consumer world. Yeah, which uh, is a huge cost savings. Speaking of costs, have you guys raised money or are you self-funded? Uh, I certainly have uh, invested a great deal of my own, uh, you know, money into the business, but we have raised. How, uh, how much have you invested? We've, I've invested over $250,000. And what about and outside? And totally, we raised about seven fifty, and it's been great. We have three Fortune five hundred CEOs who are part of our angel investor group, and we just finished up at five hundred startups. Um, and oh, great! An awesome accelerator program out here in Silicon Valley, and are back in the market doing a seed round to scale our business next year. So, your what was your first round? Just like an angel round, or what? It was an angel round. Was it yes. priced, or was it a convertible note? Uh, it was a convertible note. Interesting, capped or uncapped? It was uh, it was capped at the time, uh, but we're raising now at a higher cap than what we raised. What cap are you raising at now? Uh, about you know we 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 don't have a lead yet on the table, but it, I expect it to be in the sort of the six to eight million dollar range. Yeah, really healthy. I would say you know for a for a thirty to forty thousand dollar MRR business. Just for the top tribe listening, if you don't be overwhelmed if you don't understand. I always ask these questions about convertible notes and things. Just study them. Keep listening to the show. You'll get them. But caps, you know, caps are an interesting animal and they kind of fluctuate with the, with the industry. But, um, uh, you know, it, there's things in the convertible note like, would you say cap? You've got indi- um, uh, interest rate. Um, what, what are the other critical uh, deal points you negotiate, Anurag, in, in the convertible note? I think, I think it depends on stage, really. And I think when you think about stage and an early stage, you know, going from angel rounds are mostly just, you know, friends, family, and influencers, you know, personally who put in money and they will do an equity or convertible, as you point out. But the, but as you get to a seed stage like us, you're really starting to th- think about future rounds. So you're looking at, you know, other uh, deal terms like liquidation preferences. You're looking or at ratchet clauses. You know, when, or ratchet clauses. Governance is very important. You know, do investors want a board seat or do they want to be involved in the? governance in some way that's important mm-hmm. you start thinking about you know conversion metrics that are in line with where the market is because do, you know when you do an off-market deal with one investor you pretty much are opening the door for the others to want the same terms Anurag, do you worry i mean the market's so healthy right now and i have some regrets about how we did this at Hayo, but it is what it is you know it, it's all fine but when you you're doing 30 grand a month right now multiply that times out times you know 12 months so you're doing about 360 grand per year if you get let's say a six million dollar conservatively cap that's about 20 almost 20x top line revenue do you ever worry about not being able to grow into that valuation and having to do a down round you know it's um uh it's 
I don't know if it's a worry as much as it's the reality of where we are today. I mean, to me, where we are today is not a reflection of where we're going. If you're growing at 30 40%, in fact, last week our business grew 40%. So if you're growing at the pace at which we are and you have a massive global opportunity like we do staring in front of us, you know, by the end of this year, we're going to be in five countries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as... Do you know, um, Nathan, that you know, you're never really pricing value today, you're pricing value for the future. So, you know, my expectation is in 2016, if all goes well, we will be well past a $1.5 million revenue run rate. So that's a five times growth on our current run rate uh, based on purely the opportunities and the metrics we see ahead of us. So, yeah. you know, you're pricing some of that in. And if I take that same six, call it $6 million valuation and attach it to a run rate of $1.5 million, that's a four times multiple. Yeah, that's nothing. I mean, that's that's a. I guess the reason I bring it up is maybe it's because you've already had a lot of success on Wall Street, so you now might not be thinking about an exit. But here's because we have a lot of young people listening to the top. I will tell you guys, yep. just be very careful when you're when an investor throws out a high valuation for your business because let's say you have a business doing 30k a month, let's or call it 10k or 20k a month. You know, someone coming to you, a corporate buyer coming to you, offering to buy you for two or three million might be life changing for you. But if you've raised at a three million dollar valuation, you're going to have to say no to that deal if you've lost control because your investors are going to want a three or four X return at a minimum. So you have to sell for, you know, nine million or something. So just keep I just Anurag, I just want to point that out. Maybe you disagree no, with I me. No, I think I think I think it's a very fair point. I'm just going to add to what you said and say, you know, to the to the younger folks who are listening on this. And I hate to even say that because that means I'm very old. But <laughs> how old uh, are you? Yeah, you know, I'm 43. Oh, it's not old. Uh, Come on. But you know, we're, we're calling them young people now, which means I'm old. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I'd suggest two things. One is, you know, you have to be able to justify valuation. So when you just asked me about a 20 times valuation. On my 360, I actually was able to walk you through what I consider to be a, a, rational, a rational approach to, to getting that 20 times multiple down to four times based on the run rate, right? And you've got to have that kind of clarity on your business so that you can convince yourself, people, and eventually that's how you grow the business to scale. And the other thing is, you know, I always say this there is investors and there's investors. You've got to know who you're taking money from and you've got to get them on the same page so that tomorrow, if there is a $3 million deal on the table, at least you can have a conversation with your investors. Um, you know, you just have to just it's you you're building relationships for life with your investor. So yep. don't don't just take the first money that walks to the door. Just query them, question them. In our case, we absolutely you know uh, ask investors how passionate they are about our mission because we're trying to also change the world. Yep. And you know, um, an investor who's only interested in return may not necessarily be a great fit for us. Yeah. See, I'm not like you. I like to make a lot of money. I mean, I want to change the world too, but I want to make a yeah, lot of don't, money. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we're like, as I said earlier at the top of the show, we're very <laughs> focused on shareholder value. We Good. know we're going to be, we're going to give our investors multiples and multiples back of on their investment. But just like a Warby Parker, just like a Tom's, just like a Whole Foods, a Seven Generation, and a Plum Organics, and the Honest Company, you can build a billion dollar business and have positive impact in the communities you work in. Yep. Totally true. Guys, we will link to everything Anarog has mentioned, the books, the websites, sample convertible notes in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top 110. Anarog, if people want to follow you as you build this empire online, where can they do that? So the best way to do this is our website is juniorexplorers.com. Um, and that's, that's where you you can learn more about the program and the product. I can be followed on our, we are on Facebook as Junior Explorers Club. We're on Twitter as Junior Explorers. And personally, I am on Twitter as Triple Aisms. I use my initials. So it's A A A 
A-I-S-M-S, Triple Asms on Twitter. And uh, always happy to connect with new entrepreneurs, you know, people with ideas and give back and, you know, paying it forward is part of being an entrepreneur. So I'm always all about it. Very good. And again, guys, we'll link to those links in the show notes at nathanlacka.com forward slash the top 110. Okay, Top Tribe, don't forget, for your chance to win $100 right here on the podcast every Monday, you simply have to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Do that now and then text me that you've done that to 703-431-2709. Again, subscribe on iTunes now, then text me that you've done it at 703-431-2709. Anarag, my heart is pounding. We are about to get into my favorite part of the show. Do you know what's next? Come on, let's go. Come on, don't (laughs) let me down. Look, see, it's such a Wall Street answer. You're like, okay, I got to figure out how to give an answer here. I don't know what's going on. It's time for the famous five. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, number one, favorite business book? Uh, Peter Thiel, zero to one. Zero to one, love that book. Number two, yes or no, is there a CEO that you're following? Sorry, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? Yes, two actually. Okay, Uh, hit me. Who are they? uh, Richard Branson for his ability to have impact while building a meaningful business globally, and Tony Sai for his commitment to building community and having an impact locally. You're talking about Vegas Tech Fund, right? That's right. Very good. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you use, like Evernote? Uh, I do. Uh, you know, Slack. We've become huge believers and users of Slack, yeah. and it is an incredible tool for efficiency and communication. Very good. Number four, are you, are you married? Do you have kids? None yet. Okay, not yet. Single, no kids. So I'm curious what your answer is going to be here. Yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? Uh, no, it's on my wish list. Uh, <laughs> I, spend, I spend a lot of time saying I'll sleep when I'm dead. There you go. I love that. But these but- days I feel like I, I, feel like I need... I need to work harder to get more sleep. I love living every day like I'm never going to die. I just think with all the technology around these days, we're going to live to be very old. So I just like thinking that way. But we'll see. Last question. Number five. Take us back 23 years, Anurag. What do you wish your 20-year-old your self knew? Um, you know, I just wish I knew how much, um, how, const- how the, the only constant that one has in life is change. And... Uh, you know, when I was making choices early on, I was making choices based on what I thought was, you know, going to be back back then long term careers or, you know, skill sets that I would acquire or things that I would be able to do on a more consistent basis. And the truth is all of that has changed and keeps changing every day, every year with new innovation, with new ideas, with new environments, new technology. So, you know, the one thing I wish I known more of because I've lived it now. Now, and I certainly pass that on to, again, the younger folk on the call is, you know, um, embrace change. You know, the only constant in your life is going to be change. The only constant is change. Top tribe, there you have from a million dollar Wall Street banker to starting junior explorers to bring amazing experiences from, from around the world to our youth to support the future. Now doing 30 grand a month, hoping to raise a Next round of funding at a six to $8 million cap. Anurag, thank you for taking us to the top. Pleasure's mine, Nathan. You bet. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you go listen to other episodes, subscribe to the show on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks next Monday. This week's winner was Matt Wolf from DDB Agency in Chicago. 
If you guys liked today's episode, go back right now and listen to episode 109 from yesterday with Josh Dorkin. He tells us how he got 10,000 people to pay him $9 per month, and they pay for a long time. 